0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. This morning I'm reading from Matthew chapter 5, chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands before they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honour your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that whoever tells father or mother, Whatever support you might have had from me is given to God. Then that person need not honour the father. So for the sake of your tradition you make void the word of God, you hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied rightly about you when he said, This people honours me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: The second reading comes from Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 16. Honour your your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord is giving you. The next comes from Psalm, chapter 19, verses 7 to 14. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also From the insolent, do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Let us pray. Gracious God, your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Today, when we hear your voice, deliver us from hardness of heart. Help us to put away everything that keeps us from persevering in your way for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please do be seated. Now, the English poet uh, Philip Larkin wrote a uh, Quite a few memorable poems, but he wrote once a poem about parents. You may have heard this poem, uh, and I'm going to recite it for you now, but I'm going to censor it, just in case you know the original. They mess you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. Now I' found that this poem, and uh, I've read it many times in my life as an English teacher and and uh, in other contexts too, makes people sigh. It really does hit a nerve, because the relationship we have with our parents is one of the most fraught and most complex of all human relationships. And ever since Sigmund Freud, we've blamed our parents, sometimes rightly so, for our faults, our flaws, and our limitations. Many an hour on the therapist's couch has been spent detailing the ways in which our mother and our father have hurt us by their absence or their emotional distance or the demands that we succeed on their terms, their helicopter or tiger parenting, their indulgence or their neglect, perhaps even by their abuse. Knowing how we can mess up our kids in our turn, having been messed up ourselves, has produced a deep anxiety in us about parenting. We're a very anxious culture when it comes to parenting. At least in the middle class West, we are so hypersensitive about our kids that we've come to believe that the point of parenting is to produce happy children rather than mature and robust adults. And yet at the same time, as, they, as we know that they've messed us up, we do tend to love our parents. We think it's better to have had parents than not to have had them. We'd hate to be parentless. In fact, so many of the great stories of children's literature, from Oliver Twist to Anne of Green Gables to Harry Potter and I'm sure you can think of many more, start with lost or orphaned children. That's one of the nightmares of that Walt Disney uh, casts over us, is the idea that you will lose your parents as a child, because to be without parents, to be without security, to be without love, and to be without an identity, it's not to know who you are. If we do find ourselves shaped by our parents' vices, then we're also embossed, with their virtues as well. I can't tell you how many tearful and heartfelt eulogies I've heard from this lectern, honouring parents right here, recounting with gratitude the blessings that have been handed on down the generations, which takes us, this complex and vexed situation of our relationship with our parents, to the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment, honour your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, so that your days may be long and so that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. What does this mean? How can we obey this commandment? Well, firstly, it's worth noting that there is no human being that is excluded from this command. Not all of us are parents, but all of us are children. There's no such thing as a self-made man or woman we did not create ourselves we all are naturally are, are born from some couple We all emerged from the physical bodies of our parents, mostly from that semi-voluntary act that combines the flesh of male and female and from the bloody struggle of our mothers to give birth. Although we, we tend to be so embarrassed about that that we don't talk about it. That's kind of the most taboo subject of all, the idea of how our parents came to parent us. And yet here's the truth. You come from sex and blood and muscle and placenta And birth canal—that's your origin. You're not a clone of someone else. You weren't found in your father's beer, or bought down the store, or delivered by the stalk. You have a uniqueness that comes from the combination, the biological combination of the male and the female that produced you. And we share this condition with the vast majority of animals, and even with some plants. Like them, we're creatures of the ground, biological, emerging from the soup of genes and DNA that's been bubbling away in the bodies of our ancestors for millions of years. That's you. As children of parents, then, we take our place in the endless roll call of the generations. We may feel, and it's a particular vice of modern people that we do feel, that history has led inexorably to this point of significance and your existence, that it's all been leading up to you and me. But our very nature smashes this egotism for the generations pass on. They move on. Now is our time. But our time will pass. And so the command to honour your parents is part of a humble recognition of your creaturely finitude, your biological reality, your dependence on flesh and blood. You are a finite creature. You're not God, in other words. And as a human being, even though you have the dignity and the blessing of being made in the image of God, you're also formed like Adam from the dust of the ground. But this command also reminds us that there is a natural authority in this succession of generations given to human parents over their children. And we see this at work in the natural world as well, for parenting is not just a human thing. Many, many animals parent their young. This week, we had a baby magpie in our garden. Uh, This this magpie we were a little bit concerned about because it was so wet and looked kind of bedraggled and lost, and yet it wasn't lost at all. Its parents were watching it carefully from the trees and occasionally swooping down to feed it by regurgitating into its beak. And uh, this baby magpie, of course, nagged its parents. It caught it begs for food. And they show the baby magpie, though, how to feed itself. Uh, the adult magpies work out that there's a dog bowl just inside the house, and they can show the baby magpie how to hop in. They can get some dog biscuits. Um, that's what, you know, they, we can see them teaching each other. These magpies protect and feed and teach their young. It's natural, of course, that the older will teach the younger. We need to know how to live in the bodies that we have from those who've lived in bodies like ours before us. God has given us, then, human parents of both sexes to teach us by word and discipline and example. They name us, and in a sense, we belong to them, for we are their responsibility. They will give account to God for their parenting of us. This command, then, tells us what our mission as parents is. We're not just the providers and nurturers of our children, where they're teachers. And what are parents to teach children? In particular, what are human parents to teach human children? Well, of course, parents are to teach human children what it is to be a human being. Parents humanize their children. Now, this is a big task, and God has arranged it So that in the ordinary scheme of things, we have two physically and psychologically different adults to help us with them. You may know them as mum and dad. Now, lots of this has to do with the, lots of our parenting as humans has to do with the material business of keeping alive. Food, work, relationships. But father and mother are also specifically called to talk up, to, teach us to walk in the ways of God, which is an essential part of flourishing as a human being. We need to f- learn to fear God. Like our parents, we children are made in the image of God. So it's vital that children learn who made them and their parents, and, th- and that their parents derive their parenthood from the Heavenly Father. Their parents do not represent an absolute beginning. We are not created by our parents from nothing. Our parents, blessedly, shared in God's creation of us. Our children are then more his than ours. We are to honour our parents ultimately because we trace our origins back to God himself as our first parent And so we must teach this to our children. We cannot have, in other words, we might say, the fifth command to honour our father and mother without the first command to worship the Lord and to worship him only. As the great reformer Martin Luther said 500 years ago, and he had six children, parents should consider that they owe obedience to God and that above all, They should earnestly and faithfully discharge the duties of their office, not only to provide for the material support of their children, but especially to bring them up to the praise and honor of God. Especially to bring them up to the praise and honor of God. Parents who are here, that is your duty. Parents and grandparents. And that's not a duty that finishes when your children turn 18 or 21 or whatever the yardstick is. That is a a parental mission for you. Are you carrying out your mission to lead your children into the knowledge and love of God? But what are we children to do? As I've already said, not all of us are parents here, but we are all indeed children. Well, the command is plain. Honour your parents, father and mother. The word "honor" is sufficiently clear and broad to cover all the phases of our life, as, the, as our lives as the children of our parents. We can continue to honor them even after the, long after they have gone. But in the first instance, it will mean obeying them. They are set over us as our teachers, so that we might learn and flourish and grow. That is certainly what the New Testament does when it interprets this command. We see it in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Paul says to the children in the Christian church, he says, children, obey your parents. And then he recites this very command, honour your mother and father. And we see this too in Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Honour means obey. Now, in ordinary circumstances, we should not be afraid of this command, either as children or parents. Because parents are called to instruct and discipline us in the context of parental love and nurture. Parents are not given children as a way of fulfilling parents. Parents are not given children as a way of having some extra servants in the household. Parents are not for, sorry, children are not for the sake of parents. Parents are indeed In many senses, the servants of their children, and yet part of their service of their children will be to instruct and discipline them so that they will thrive. And that is to be our parental desire, that our children thrive. And as children, we are to see our parents' instruction in that context. This is the promise, of course, that comes with that This is the command that comes with a promise, I should say. You notice that if you honor your parents, God says here, it will go well for you and you will live long. It is a wise thing to obey your parents who seek for you to thrive. The rebellious child, on the other hand, imagines themselves their own parent and flirts with self-destruction. Now this means, by the way, that As parents, we should be unafraid of lovingly instructing our children and expecting them to obey us. But for most of us here, does this command apply? Because we're no longer children. But we do remain, as I've said, children of our parents. What it means to honour our parents will then change. Rather than obedience, it will mean respect. It will hopefully mean listening to a valuable, though fallible, source of advice and support, adult to adult. It hopefully will mean a special kind of friendship. In time, as parents age, it can mean a reversal of the order of care and protection. To honour a parent into advanced old age may mean inconvenience and expense. But it's a mark of our dishonour of the elderly that they often feel forgotten or like a burden. I have to say, I've been remarkably challenged by the example of many of you here in the care that you've offered elderly parents when it's been difficult. Often that's been time that you've spent visiting elderly parents who could not get out or arranging things for your elderly parents so that they remain healthy and that they remain well looked after. I've seen that uh, in many, many times amongst our community here. Even after they've gone, how does this command make sense for us? How do we continue to speak about and remember the generation above us? This will be a signal for those who come after us about how our own wisdom and example ought to be heeded. This is one of the real insights of this command. Intergenerational respect benefits everyone, especially the young. So a great way to parent is to model respect for your own parents. I have to say, this is one of the things that marks out the Christian community from the community around us. Increasingly, the consumer economy segments us us into generational segments, pits one generation against the other in narrower and narrower forms. Uh, We become less and less like each other. We have different interests in music. We imagine that we can never communicate generation to generation. Yet here, Sunday by Sunday, we meet people in their 90s and people who are nine days old and every age in between, brought together in the name of the gospel of Jesus Christ into one community. Let's never forget that. Let's relish that intergenerational, uh, that, that intergenerational aspect of our community together. But one thing that's never denied in this command is that your parents, like you, are a sinner. The command is not honour your parents, for they are honourable. The command is not honour your parents, for they are infallible. Quite the opposite. They are not divine or perfect. They will have messed you up, even in the best of cases, they will have filled you with the faults you have had, you that they had, and added some extra just for you, as the poem went. But this command does not say to us that mum and dad are God. They are to be honoured, but they are not to be worshipped. This is a crucial distinction for us, and it helps us to understand. It helps us not to put our parents on too great of a pedestal. To remember that though we are in awe of them sometimes. They are human, fallible, and sinful in need of the grace and mercy of God as we are. But also, it might teach us what it is to honour our parents when our parents are not simply imperfect, but particularly bad as parents. Your relationship to your parents or to a parent may be a matter of deep wounds for you. And I know that will be true for some here today. A parent may, may have been, or is in fact right now, a bully a manipulator, a narcissist, an addict, or an abuser. You may have been abandoned by a parent. To be in an intimate and dependent relationship with someone is often, sadly, to be a sufferer of their sins. What then? We need to remember the connection of this commandment with the first one. Remember that the mission of parenting which is to bring children up, and the fear and the knowledge of the Lord is key. A parent is then most honoured when their child calls upon God as father and obeys him, even when this hasn't been learnt from the parent. In extreme circumstances, honouring a parent may mean going against them if what they command is evil. For example... It honours a criminal, I think it honours a criminally abusive parent to take them to the police to hold them to account for their evil. You honour your parents also when you become a Christian, even if they forbid it. Now, I know there'll be uh, a particular Things that you need to address in your relationship, you might need to address in your relationship with your parents. What will it mean to honour my parents even in their imperfection, even though they're gone, even though our relationship has changed over the years? That's the challenge of this command to us today. But the limitations and sins of our parents remind us of the deeper truth that this command teaches us. That God is the true parent from whom all parenthood derives. And we obey this command in obeying him. This command is a channel through which we are meant to learn obedience to our heavenly father first and foremost. We honour our parents ultimately because we trace our origins back to God himself as our first parent. It's interesting The Bible frequently speaks of God's paternal and his maternal qualities, but not as an echo of what we see in human beings, but the other way around. His parenthood, his loving authority, his nurture and his sustenance, his protection and his loving care is the template for ours. Our parenting is meant to be a sign pointing our children to his character, We are supposed to see in our parents the character of God, the parenthood of God himself, to see God's qualities, even though they are imperfectly mediated through our parents and in our parents. But who has truly obeyed this command? Just as our parents are sinners and fail as parents, we have to admit that so are we. We do fail to honour them since we sin. But just as one, as the one we know as father is the true parent, so Jesus, the son, fulfills this fifth commandment for us by being the consummately obedient son of the father. He is the one in whom God is well pleased. You remember that scene at Jesus' baptism when he comes out of the river Jordan. John's baptised him and the heavens are ripped open and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as a dove like a dove and they hear the voice from heaven saying this is my son whom I love listen to him in one version but also I am well pleased with him now Jesus knew both earthly and heavenly parents even though he was a loyal son in fact he was a loyal son to his earthly parents he remembered to take to take care of Mary even when he was on the cross as we see in our uh, reading from the gospel today, from Matthew's gospel, he, he he picked up the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and said, "You owe it to look after your older parents." This is part of honouring your parents: is clearly looking after them with your resources once you've become an adult. That's still the command in operation. But there are moments in the gospels when Jesus seems to be somewhat at odds with his earthly parents. When he was young, you remember, his parents lost him at the temple. Do you remember that? Uh, He he was left behind when they went home. It was a little bit careless, but, I mean, you you can imagine the scene. They'd left their 12-year-old son behind. Uh, But Jesus said, well, I actually needed to be at my father's house, learning from him, listening to his word. A woman once called out to him in the crowd, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus replied, blessed rather are those that hear the word of God and obey it. A really interesting account of what true childhood is, what the true nature of the relationship between parents and children, our our relationship to our heavenly father is, that we hear his word and obey it. He called his disciples to leave their earthly families behind and follow him. When his mother and brothers once came to do what we would know as an intervention, because they thought he was slightly mad, He pointed to the listening crowd and said, these who listened to my word and put it to practice, these are my mother and my brothers. Jesus points us again and again to the fatherhood of God, the ultimate fatherhood of God. And by dying for us, he brings us into God's family as our elder brother so that we too can call God Father as he invites us to do when we pray that wonderful prayer, our Father in heaven. In Christ, by his Holy Spirit, we can say, Thou my true father, and I thy true heir, as the hymn goes, or I thy thy child let me be. Though we, like prodigal children, did not honour our parents, we find that by faith in Jesus Christ, they are truly honoured. When we turn to him, our parents' mission, however imperfectly they carried it out, However broken they were in the delivery of their mission, their mission is complete. Now, this does not mean that our earthly families disappear. Jesus tells us to look after our earthly families. We're still to honour our parents. We're still to parent our children. We're still to be the spouses of our spouses. But we're also given a new family in Jesus Christ. We're brought into a new family as the child of the, heavenly, as the children of the one Heavenly Father. His people may or may not be genetically related, but we are spiritually related, related to one another by the Spirit. And so we gain, as Jesus promises, new mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers. And so this is a family. We rightly call each other brother and sister. We rightly have quasi-parental relationships and child relationships with one another. I was reminded, by the way, just uh, recently, um, I uh, met a, a, a friend of Chinese background who introduced his nine-year-old daughter to me as, uh, and said, I'm Uncle Michael. We used to do that when, uh, when I was a kid. We used to call all older friends of the family Uncle and Auntie. Um, this still happens in Indigenous culture as well, but we've lost that in in the West. And I think that's partly because it makes us feel old when we're called uncle and auntie. You can speculate about this later. But it's a a sorry and sad thing. I think it's a great loss. And it's a shame that in the church community, we don't remind each other of the familial relationship we have in this way. That would be a good way to remind each other that we are, are, are related by the Spirit, that this is not a club but a family that gathers around the one heavenly father, brought together by Jesus, our brother. And just as the people of Israel were told to teach and to learn and to pass on the faith from older to to younger, so we are to be a community of generations passing on the word of God. We are to listen to those who've gone before us, who are our elder brothers and sisters, our mothers and fathers in the faith, Teach us about what it is to serve him. It's also why we must be a community that is excitedly committed to sharing Jesus with youth and children. And I have to say, I really want us at St Mark's to stand out in this regard. The Anglican Church nationwide has an average age of something like 65 or older. There are some dioceses in the Diocese of Adelaide, the average age of People attending church is over 75 years old. I think obedience to this command, to this nature, the nature of the church as the family of God in Jesus Christ, should lead us to be better than that in sharing Jesus with youth and children. So how will you honour your father and mother? Well, first, give thanks for them for what they've shown you. It might be something that you take a little quiet moment this afternoon to do give thanks that they gave you the gift of life however imperfect they were determine where it's true and possible to speak well of them learn from them when they teach when what they teach you is wise and true learn to see god's qualities in their virtues but second honor your father and mother by obeying the heavenly father by fulfilling their mission as parents in your in your life by becoming the child of our Heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ, his true Son. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.